Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Good afternoon, everyone, or evening, I suppose, and welcome to Stargazing, the podcast that also has one game in hand over whatever crap podcast the National Predators fan sites rocking these days. That's right. I said it. It's time to get aggressive. It's time to do a little bit of stargazing. I am here with Mark tonight. Mark, how are you, sir? I'm doing just fine, although I just finished watching uh, the Stars game and it was uh, a little disappointing. Yeah, it was. Um, I think there's there's the Twitterverse is already weighing in, and, and one of my my favorite comments so far is, you know, they they tried to beat Tampa Bay one to nothing, and that's just maybe not the thing you should try if you're the Stars playing playing against the Lightning. Um, of course, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the the standings. Obviously, how can we have a Stars podcast without talking about the standings? So we'll talk about tonight's game. We'll talk about the two previous in Carolina, of course, all building up to the big showdown uh, with Nashville this week. And we'll talk a little bit about the impending return of Tyler Sagan, uh, as well as everyone's favorite playful sea creature, Jake Ottinger, who did get the start tonight. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the defense. Um, UFA is coming up and, and really just, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Yes. There's some, some tough news to digest and it wasn't the best result, but there's still, there's still hope and we're going to cling to that and, and we're going to, we're going to forge ahead. So let's start, let's start at the very beginning. That's a very fine place to start, but Dallas has just finished a three game set, right? Twice against Carolina, once against Tampa Bay, they have a win to show for it. And I want to start there, Mark. Is that about in line with where you expected they would be, right? Well, I think everybody kind of took that first game that they won, especially in overtime against Carolina, as a, as a sign that uh, maybe things were coming around here at the end. And so, you know, two two points out of uh, out of a possible six is not great. But uh, it, what it really does in my mind is just set up uh, what what's happening on Saturday is uh, is ultimately what the season's going to come down to. Uh, I mean, need to step up in Nashville and they need to win that game and they really need to win that game uh, in regulation. They, they need to win the game in regulation. They've, they've still got, so as we just quick status check, as we record this evening, they've, they've just been, been handed a three nil defeat um, by the Tampa Bay lightning. Dallas sits at 54 points with 50 games played. Nashville is of course at 56 points with 51 games played. So Dallas is two points behind. They do have a game in hand. So from a, a basic number standpoint, you're very right. A, a, an extra time win doesn't do the job against Nashville on Saturday. But there is another problem now looming. And and this, I could be very wrong. We're, we're doing this part live. I'm, I'm not going to fact check myself, so correct me. I believe that the NHL's first tiebreaker is regulation wins. Is that correct? Yeah, it's. Uh, I've just kind of bit off that uh, Nashville has the tiebreaker, and so yep. we need to we need to win by one. Um, we aren't going to catch up to them that way. So if it ends a tie, Nashville's going. And so that that you know leaves Dallas still. It's it's one of those you know, <laughs> Schroding Schrodinger's hockey team, right? It leaves Dallas technically in the driver's seat, right? If Dallas wins the head to head and Dallas wins their game in hand, then that's ball game. Right. All they have to do is. Well, is, I guess, not, it, it, this is the first time I think we've been able to say that, uh, you know, Dallas does not control their own destiny, because if they win in regulation against Nashville on Saturday, 
they tie them, and uh, that means advantage Nashville. So right, but we, we, the we point, have an uphill though, is battle to fight. The stars do still have the game in hand. So the point that I was, and that's, ah, I see I'm, what you're saying. Yeah, but I'm. I'm glad you clarified me because that's exactly where I was headed. Yes, you know, from from one perspective, Dallas controls their own destiny. They win the game. They win the head-to-head. They're in charge. They're in the playoffs. But as the last three games have illustrated, not not all opponents are created equal. And this is where the schedule comes into play. And this is where it becomes significant that, you know, Nashville played on um, Nashville played on Wednesday or sorry, on Tuesday, and and is getting a couple days extra rest, whereas Dallas is pretty much playing every other day and then a back-to-back for the rest of their lives, it seems. And and looking at the remaining schedule, right, I think Dallas has two more games remaining against Tampa. Basically, it's Florida, Tampa Bay twice before they get to two more against Chicago to close out the season. And as much as I think Stars fans would would all love to have the season come down to those final two days, we talked about this in the last podcast, I am a little bit worried that by the time Dallas flies into Chicago to close out the season, there will more or less be a decision already. It's just a brutal, you know, yes, Dallas is in the driver's seat technically, right? They have more points on the board and they have an opportunity to pull themselves ahead of Nashville, right? They control that. But where it turns a little bit is to do that, Dallas has to beat, you know, Dallas has to go into a stretch of hockey against, you know, Nashville, Florida, Tampa, Tampa. And that's not an easy stretch of hockey. And and while Dallas is going through that stretch of hockey, Tampa Bay, or sorry, not Tampa Bay, while Dallas is going through that stretch, Nashville, they they play Dallas, they've got the head-to-head. But while Dallas is, you know, in the time that Dallas will play, you know, Tampa twice and and um, Florida once, Nashville will play Columbus twice. And it does get a little bit more difficult, right? Nashville closes the season with uh, games against the Carolina Hurricanes, who may, you know, and, and I guess the good of it is the divi- top of the division is still up for grabs. So there still is reason to fight if you're Florida, Tampa, Carolina. But, you know, while Dallas is having to win a game in hand against Tampa Bay, Nashville is getting to play Columbus twice. And that's where I think we get to your point, which is, yes, from a certain perspective, Dallas controls their destiny, but they really don't at this point. They've got a harder road. They, Yeah, and, and Florida and Tampa are, are fighting for, uh, you know, potentially winning the winning the division. But uh, maybe more realistically, they're, they're fighting for home ice. Yep. And so they are they're going to be primed and and not resting anybody. And so I suppose the one thing that Dallas does have going for them is that Columbus should be playing loose and uh, and you know they'll be playing some of their younger guys and those guys have uh, you know they'll just be looking for spots on the roster and so they won't be holding their stick very tight. If if it works it works, if it doesn't it doesn't. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, right? And it, it's kind of coming down. So uh, so to get there, right? Looking just looking at the math, Dallas needs to, you know, I think that the head to head, it's it's not it's not technically the season because there are scenarios where Dallas could drop the head to head and still find the points they need to get ahead of the Predators, right? It's it's possible, but I think that's where you're starting to strain plausibility, and, and I think realistically. Saturday's Saturday's game has turned into a must win. 
because I don't think if you're the Dallas Stars, I don't think you want to have the mentality of like, okay, well, you know, Saturday is not a must win. We just have to get more points out of Florida, Tampa, Tampa than Nashville gets out of Columbus, Columbus, right? That's, that's bad. That's, that's a bad, that's bad math, bad mentality. That's, that's going to get him in trouble. So, you know, we're left with Dallas had a tough loss tonight. They get a single day off, just like always, and they're going to have to take the ice. You know, at, at, at they're going to take the ice at Bridgestone on Friday on Saturday. Apologies, and they're going to have to win that game. Yeah, and then they're going to have to put their heads down and go win the next one. So, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe there's a little advantage here to uh, not having a break because at this point, all they have to do is play hockey. And if they play hockey well and they can put the puck in the net, they have a shot. And if they don't, then they're going to be playing golf in a week and a half. Yeah, and, and you know, think – Stars fans will be left thinking about all of the extra points squandered and and the injuries that, of course, couldn't be avoided in the schedule and just a a nightmare of a season rumbles to a conclusion. So it's going to be tough. Um, You know, it's going to be interesting. Dallas did catch one break this week and that um, Nashville, of course, dropped their, um, you know, they they ended up dropping a 7-4 decision against the Florida Panthers on Tuesday, which, you know, there was a time Tuesday night where Dallas was trailing, Florida was ahead, and it looked like a worst-case scenario. So, you know, there there was a little bit of a positive to shake out of this week, but, man, they are they are running out of chances. Right. If you look at Hockey Viz and, and, and the stuff that they tweet out every day about, uh, about playoff chances, uh, you know, it, Dallas needs to jump uh, jump ahead of Nashville, and you can't just play out the string and keep your current percentage. Eventually, you have to win some games and pass them up. Yep, yep, you do. And and you know, one one bit of good news, I guess, as we think about Dallas doing that, is there 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 were some comments from the team today. Right, it looks like Tyler Sagan might make his return next week is what uh, I believe bonuses quotes from this week were kind of suggesting. So we'll talk, we'll start there, right? So let's, let's dream for a moment and, and Sagan is back and, and they of course got Kiviranta back tonight. What did the stars lines look like for this critical must win stretch of the season? Well, I, I really think there are two different ways uh, that they can go. Um, first off, um, you know, Ben's been playing so well at center mm-hmm. and, and I think one of the things that's, that bonus has been worried about, especially on the road is, is being able to roll four lines, um, especially this late in the season as banged up as they are and as tired as they are. Um, they, they need to be able to have something out there at least to get a dependable 10 minutes out of the fourth line. Um, and, and I think you saw that in, uh, in once he figured out that Kivaranta tonight was uh, was had his legs. Um, you saw him move up into that line with Gurianov and Ben, and had Dickinson move down to the centering the fourth line. So you know, I I was saying you're you're going to want to put him out there. You're going to want to do something similar where you, you see if he really has his game legs. And, you know, Sagan's been out a long time. Kivaranta was out a month. So, so this is maybe a little more interesting to look at. But if he has his legs, I think you load him up up top and you go for it. And, and, and probably, I, I don't know what you do as far as responsibilities. I would say you probably um, 
you know, official responsibility, keep Ben as uh, the guy who's going up and down the ice and, uh, and have Sagan try and uh, try and fit in, in a forward slot. But, you know, those things kind of get mixed up as, as the puck moves around. Yeah. And I think this is also where you can play the modern hockey card a little bit. And yes, you know, Jamie Ben has shifted to center, but these positions are not as static as that, right? I think there is a world in which you know, you could see a fit with, you know, Ben and Gurionov and Sagan on the same line. And you don't necessarily have to take Jamie Ben out of the center of the ice to do that, right? And, and especially as Sagan works his way back into the game, you may not even want to. And then you get into situations where you could have, you know, you could still have spot duty for Sagan on the fourth line, winning a faceoff or two if, if necessary, right? Changing up line mates or, or you know, how, how long when both were healthy, how frequently do the Dallas stars kind of whoever takes the face off is kind of a handedness question. And, and Sagan takes it. Sometimes Ben takes it other, depending on matchup, depending on what the other team is doing, where they're aligned, where they are on the ice. Right. So I think there's, there's definitely a world in which, you know, cause your, your point is very accurate. Jamie Ben's been a point of game player I, I, or, or thereabouts since this, this move. And he's been physically engaged and really driving the team forward. So I think you're right as tantalizing as it is to have Tyler Sagan back in the lineup, I, I don't think you necessarily want to break the, the so far successful experiment with Jamie Benn in the middle. Um, and ditto, I, I don't think you want to screw with that top line either. And, and there's just been too much positive out of, you know, Heinz, uh, Heinz Robertson and Pavelski to, to tinker there. And especially, you know, as, as the game start to matter much more, um, you know, Rope's game time decision has been a lot more consistent lately, which, you know, credit to the guy for battling through. So, you know, you could see a world in which if Sagan's back and, and gets his legs quickly, right, maybe that gives um, Bonus a little bit of a chance to rest Heinz. Maybe it gives him a little bit of a chance to, to play around with Jamie Ben. He'll, he'll have options, which, you know, there have not been many instances over the course of the season where there were a lot of options. So that'd be a good problem to have. Yeah, I, I think it, you you really have two different two different scenarios. Certainly, if Hints is uh, is out, uh, it may make sense to just slot Sagan into that slot, and uh, and you don't lose as much as you would mm-hmm. if you were just dropping and dropping Hints and and having somebody else fill in. The other thing that might be interesting to try here, you know, so much uh, we we've kind of forgotten some other line combinations that work here. And it, you know, with Sagan back, it might be interesting to go with a with a vet line and a and a young line. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing Robertson, Hints, and Gurianov together, and then put Pavelski back out there with Ben and Sagan. Both of those line combinations have worked in the past, and and they, I, I don't think they need to really practice or play much together to make it work. I mean, and especially that not would create on the, some interesting challenges for uh, for for other teams where you really have a speed line and and kind of a hard line, but still with some significant passing skills. I, that that intrigues me, especially you know we did get, if memory serves, we we got a glimpse of Robertson and Gurianov earlier in the season. Um, you know, before of course Robertson settling with Henson Pavelski, but it, this was this was back when. You know, I guess Gurionov was the first time they tried it was when Robertson was kind of going through his adaptation struggles and and wound up, you know, when he was still bouncing between the taxi and and the main roster. And then, you know, by the time Robertson had emerged and solidified, 
of course, Garyanov was in his his season, you know, his midseason uh, slump. So now that Robertson seems to have have gained, you know, kind of becoming into his own as an NHL caliber player and playmaker, I yeah, I'm, I am. I have all of the time in the world to to talk about putting, you know, a player with Robertson's kind of spatial awareness, his shot, his his demonstrated creativity with the puck with a guy like Gurionov who can flat out go and, and just kill the puck. And then and then a player like Hintz, who is kind of both of those things right now, that that line is very intriguing to me. Yeah, and, and and here, you know, we're we're kind of looking for a difference maker in the last uh, in the last five games. Once we get out of Nashville and hopefully get Sagan back, and and tossing things up a little like that, I think is something that can make a big difference. Yeah, and especially with you know with those games so close together, and and let's face it, right, with a pretty well established. Um, you know, we've seen how these games have played out over the course of this division-only season, and it may be to the stage, of course, that Dallas can get the win against Nashville. They they may just need to throw new looks at, um, you know, at Tampa Bay to to get one of those games. Right there, there just may be a, a need for the Stars to do something different, because you know we've we've kind of seen what happens when they they use the the tools that are sort of. You know, as currently yeah, Tampa, configured, Tampa kind of knows how to beat this version of the stars, and so let's uh, let's make them make some adjustments. Yeah, yeah, they know how to beat that. That that seems to be the case, right? Vasilevsky, you know, you right now Tampa seems perfectly comfortable welcoming, you know, welcoming Dallas to play that low event style and and saying, okay, we'll, we'll probably you know keep the chances low between our goaltending and our forwards. We'll probably get more than you do. And um, they've largely been right so far. So maybe maybe a, a Dallas team that has a functional Tyler Sagan can can alter that that math a little bit. Now, wanted to talk as well. Um, you know, one of the the stories of the season has been, you know, partially because you know at, at various times it's been you know focused on on Lindell's contract and Klingberg's pending contract and and Jamie Alexiak's as well. Of course, Dallas went out of the deadline, got a little bit of insurance in Sammy Vatanen. And I wanted to take just a minute and and get your prognostication around what do you think, you know, you're put on put on your your, you know, Rick, uh, put on your Jim Nil mustache of power and look at this Dallas Stars defense as currently constructed. And tell me what are, what are your thoughts right now heading into to where the work is this offseason? Well, I think the big decision, and, and this may be a decision that's already made, is is whether Alexiak's part of the future of this team. And everything I've seen is is that he is. Um, and and I think I've put things out a couple times where I, I'm real concerned about that contract and especially the length of that contract. Um, I, I've also done a bit of research as far as taking a look at at what Alexiak's impact is on Haskinen, and that's certainly a pair that we've been running out there. And mm-hmm. it was one that was extremely successful in the playoffs last year. But on the other hand, it's one that if we roll out as a shutdown pair, which we have been doing for most of the year, it's uh, it's really killed Haskinen's offensive numbers. And so my question is whether whether that's a pairing and that's a, a result that we either need to fix or, or, or figure a way that we can get more out of Haskinen than uh, than what we've seen this year as the, on the right side of Alexiak. 
Yeah, it's it's a classic 200 hockey men problem, isn't it? You look at a player like Jamie Alexiak, and, and he obviously checks the size box. He's got very good hands. He's scoring goals. So from from a vantage point, you look at that pairing and you say, wow, he's really emerged this year. He's valuable to the Dallas Stars. They can't possibly live without him. And, and unfortunately for the cap situation, the things that he's doing right now are kind of the things that get you paid in the modern NHL, right? You, you want a defender with size. You want a defender that can skate. You want a defender that can score some goals. But, you know, there's this kind of inkling little little itching at the back of the brain that says, you know, we've – is this – how do you properly break out and assign who's responsible for what when so much of Alexiak's success has been been right next to to Miro? Um, you know, we have this one view of Miro, and, and as you said, you know, Miro is still all world and has had, by any objective measures, a fantastic season. But he has sort of conceded certain offensive duties to Alexiak when that pairing is out there. And it is fair to wonder as a stars fan, is that necessarily what you want? Well, and I, I don't know if you had a chance to listen today, but uh, Sean Shapiro was on, uh, was on the PDO cast with Dimitri um, Filipovich. And one thing that he pointed out that I thought was really, uh, really interesting was talking about John Klingberg. And they, they were on a conversation about you know, Dallas stars fans wanting to trade Klingberg. And Klingberg, the, the the statement was that Klingberg is is good, but he's probably more valuable to Dallas because of the way they play than he is to a lot of other teams in the NHL. And so I guess my question is maybe the reverse on Alexiak. Alexiak's played very well. He's made himself a, a, a pretty valuable commodity out there. And it strikes me that Alexiak might be more valuable to another team in the NHL than he actually is to the Dallas Stars, even though Dallas may want to keep him. He, yeah, I mean, I, I can see, I can see that, especially because you, there is always going to be the Miro factor, right? And and the, so I guess I'll take it from a couple different directions. I think the the argument in your favor is from the Dallas Stars perspective, they would absolutely take a step back with Jamie Alexiak off the roster. However, that would be mitigated by, you would assume that, that, that Miro Haskinen would take that step forward. Right. And, and the, the aggregate cost of Jamie Alexiak's value, right. What you lose in losing Alexiak, you make part of that back with Miro taking a more prominent role and responsibility on the pairing and then whoever you get. So I guess your the argument in favor of what you're saying is that it is cheaper to put Miro with somebody else, even if that person is a little bit more limited. And it is a better gamble to think that Miro will make up and exceed the difference versus necessarily throwing the assets behind locking in Jamie Alexiak that he might demand on the open market. Right. And, and the other thing that we really haven't seen with Miro is he, he's been forced because of circumstances to play his offside. And we have yet to put Miro in a situation where he can play uh, on, on his strong side. And even if you take somebody like Vontanen, who uh, you know, he's, he's missed a couple of games here, um, and maybe that's because uh, the coaches think that with the team plays better uh, without him, then you know they, they'd rather have Secker in there than him. But 
it would be kind of interesting to see what would happen with somebody like Votnin on the right side with Alexiak and have a have a unit or a pair in the back end that can just get up the ice. And it's it's interesting that you point that out and it's interesting to think about this season and it's almost a shame that you know if the stars were one definitively one way or the other right if they were in it or if they were out of it this would be the time of the season where you know bonus and co might be able to experiment with their pairings and, and kind of test out some of what you're talking about but unfortunately right they're two points back with a head-to-head in a game in hand and that is not the time where you know whether there whether you can argue that there is untapped upside or not right the dallas defense has largely not been an issue it's been a strength this season so this it, the unfortunately the situation the team finds himself in means that dallas is unlikely to to be able to try any of what you're talking about for any significant sample size and it's going to have to make whatever decisions they're going to make in the offseason off of you know speculation and data frankly I did have one counterpoint for you, though, and and I'm glad you brought up John Klingberg because I think he is a fantastic segue in addition to being a fantastic player. I agree with you that he is inordinately valuable to the Dallas Stars, and I think that a lot of that value springs from the fact that Dallas doesn't have anybody else like him. Like, creativity has been a problem for the Dallas Stars. Even a lot of their, you know, their offensive players, even a lot of the scoring they do have is much more of the kind of high-end lunch pail variety versus um, versus that, you know, kind of scoring outside the system, you know, how many times, watching John Klingberg walk the, the blue line, right? Injecting a little bit of risk into the game to get a reward. So I, I could definitely see a team that has more just aggregate creativity. John Klingberg's impact would probably be a little bit muted versus Dallas because he wouldn't be a unicorn. Um, I kind of my my fear, and I don't know that I believe this, right? So I'm just kind of vocalizing the the fear. My fear with Alexiak is sort of the same. If you look at the Dallas Stars roster, there's not really anybody else that 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 plays or looks like Jamie Alexiak. And so my my fear with him leaving is that you know he does right now have some assets right and and particularly that blend of the the three-way blend of skating hands and size right dallas doesn't have that without jamie alexiak and there is some concern for me at least that if he goes yes it's possible that that miro plus partner ends up making it a wash if not an improvement but you know you don't exactly go out shopping for a jamie alexiak yeah, and, and and that's my concern is you know as as going into the off season, uh, regardless of the playoff action, um, I I think Alexiak's proven so much out there that it's the size of the deal that he ends up getting with the combination of skills that he has and the size that he has, uh, I think that's that number is going to be much worse from a Dallas Stars uh, point of view than than we think it is. It might be. And and also, and I, I, it's, it's, this is, this is a total like fan removed from the situation, you know, no, no insight thing to say, but doesn't he just feel like the guy that gets the contract that three years from now, you're kind of rolling your eyes at and thinking, yeesh, that was a bad deal. Well, maybe so. Um, but you, you for the, for the reasons you say, have... right. 
somebody's gonna that's, somebody's gonna pay him to be their number two defenseman, right? Oh, right, right. And, and from Dallas's point of view, you have Harley coming up, and so at, at a certain point, you're gonna have to deal with the fact that you have three extraordinary puck moving defensemen, and and how do the other pieces that are in the lineup fit in? Yeah, and uh, you're almost going to have to transition to you're going to have speed and and Hints and Gurionov, and and you'll have Robertson in the mix at forward, and and Jamie Ben and and Tyler Sagan were, are kind of on the downswing, Ben more than Sagan in terms of where they are in their careers, and you almost you know look into the future, and and you can very easily see the 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 next version of this Dallas team being one that generates its offense from the back line. By by skating and passing, you know, past a four check, applying pressure up ice and and ringing it up. Yeah, and and I mean, you can take a look at free agency, perhaps. But if now Dallas and and what I've seen as far as comments about Dallas and drafting, there there's this there's this old there's there's this old discussion about Dallas drafting big. We grew, we draft for size, but if you take a look at what's in the system and, and the guys that we've been picking up in the last couple of years on the draft, they're small guys. Damiani's a small guy. Bork's a small guy. Masterin's not a big guy. And, and so these are the guys who are going to be coming up. And I just don't see Dallas sticking around with their current uh, how shall we say their their current uh, view of the world and being a heavy physical team uh, with who they have in the pipeline? I mean, you may have you may have Ben still out there as captain who can who can bring it and add a little bulk to the team, but this is a team that's drafted for recently for speed yep. and 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 hopefully we can get some some uh, some puck moving, but certainly driving a lot of skill from the back end. And so well, um, I don't think the nature of this team is the same two years from now than, than what we see right now. I don't think it can be. And the other comment I'll make is, is, you know, you talked about pivoting away from that draft size mentality. Well, look at the players that have come through the system successfully and have become impact players on the Dallas Stars roster. And it's it's not the list of, you know, it's not the list of guys that were picked up because of those physical attributes, right? Where's Where's Brett Ritchie? Right. Not to not to flamethrower the guy, he's, he's, but but just from a personnel standpoint, the, the size that they accumulated outside of Alexiak really didn't make it through. And the players that did are those those skill guys. So like, and then looking at the overall course of the league, it definitely the pivot that you're seeing makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and I mean, we still have some big guys, but the big guys that have come up through the system are Hints and, and Robertson. They're they're not small guys, but they bring skill and yeah. and the skill. You, you uh, didn't draft to your point. Skill, you didn't draft Jason. They didn't draft Jason Robertson to see him throw the body around and, and be a you know Jamie Ben power forward. Ditto Gurionov and and Hints as well. Yeah, really. I mean, the last guy up front that they drafted for size was Tufty. And you know he's he's a he's a work in progress. That is true. That is very true. And those, the, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be fascinating. And, and wanted to touch on one one more thing before we go here. And it's it's the the you know one of the the things that as we've gone through the season, 
is the, you know, last year there was a lot of focus on that FCC line, right? And, and the shutdown and their ability to just basically shorten the game, right? Nothing happened while they were on the ice and Dallas used that to their advantage. It, it really hasn't been the case this season. And, and there was a painful moment during tonight's game, but I wanted to get your take very quickly. Where do you see, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about Sagan and potential impact in, in sort of the top six. Where do you see this, this middle six to bottom nine unit on the Dallas stars right now? I mean, I, I think, I think they're going to have to look really hard at the FCC line. You know, both, both Cogliano and Como are, are UFAs at the end of the year. Uh, Fox has certainly uh, had what what I would consider to be one of his uh, his poorest years uh, since he's been up full time with the Stars. Um, there's a lot there that isn't working, and and part of it might just be that you know when they get on their four check game they can be really good, but uh, teams that beat them beat them with speed, and they beat them with speed in some very disastrous ways. Yeah. You can't and, get, and you so can't get that line has not done what it needs to do. And, and I don't know that we can stick with it moving forward. I don't think they should. I, I mean, we talked, I, I forget who was the partner. We talked in a previous podcast about the trade deadline and I was a little bit surprised. No, I guess I, I take that back. I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. I, I was a little bit hopeful that Dallas might try and capitalize on the kind of the name value of either Cogliano or Como to get some asset for them because I just don't see, especially, you know, we've already talked about the Jamie, the Jamie Alexiak situation. Miro Haskinen's deal is looming. Um, John Klingberg as well. They're going to need to account for, even if it's not next season, but, um, you know, Pavelski and Radulov are going to need to be replaced. So this is this is a team that you have to think, and then looking at, you know, the impact of Kiviranta and, and some of the other guys, this is a team that you have to think isn't going to be in the market for, you know, paying the rates for a kind of established veteran checking line player when the, those players are, to your point, right, this is, you know, Pick, pick a metric, and this is one of the worst seasons Fox has had in a little while, and Cogs and, and um, Como aren't too far behind him. It's just I think you're right that 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 trio just may have run its course uh, as a unit for the Dallas Stars, and that's we're, we're kind of seeing they, to your point, right, when they, they have games and they have moments where they can kind of get the forecheck running and get the cycle going, and there, there is some skill there, and, and there have been some pretty goals and some pretty moments, but all too often they can't get to the point where they can utilize any of that. They're too busy chasing the puck around. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think just having a line that, that is purely shut down, that doesn't really bring any, any creative offense is, is a luxury that this team can't afford. Um, and certainly not at the price tag that, that FCC is, is currently running and even what they might be able to, to have them for coming out of free agency. I think that if you have something down there that say you know, Dickinson centering Kivi Ranta and and a player to be named later, uh, probably works pretty good. Or or even Dickinson Kivi Ranta and Foxa working that third. Yeah, unit, or or, can... or or Gardner. Gardner is yeah. kind of the 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 Foxa to be, and you know, he's he's a solid NHLer. Um, still needs a little work, but uh, but that's his role. 
Which I, and I think that's, you know, you kind of create that melange in the bottom six boards, right? Where you've got Fox, because the, the team has extended Fox. He'll be in the mix, um, you know, for, for some time, you have to imagine, right? So you've got Dickinson and Kiviranta and Foxa, and you've got Gardner, and, you know, I'm sure there's there's others down in Cedar Park, and, and I think maybe you just throw it all in the blender and see, you know, which combinations give you what you need, because I, I think you're right. There's just a, a, a gap has emerged um, for that FCC unit, and, and the better teams in the league are just, you know, taking advantage of it. Yeah, and, and, and you know, with the flat, flat cap, um, you know, I haven't sat down and, and scoped all this out, but Dallas is certainly going to need to have some guys down at the bottom of the lineup who don't cost them a lot of money, but uh, can still contribute and especially can contribute more than just raw defense. Um, yeah. The guys who are on the ice need to be able to, uh, when given an opportunity, score a few goals. Yeah, it's, it, that's the modern NHL, right? If, if you're just going to do raw defense, you better be elite at it and Players just don't stay that way for very long. It's it's a hard it's a hard game to play, and, and yeah, you, you need to be able to put you know, you need to be able to scare the other team a little bit, um, and that's just not happening. So we've got we've got everything on the table heading into Saturday. I'm not gonna play I'm not gonna play the prediction game in a traditional sense because I think we both um, we both are showing our victory green and, and very much hope Dallas can win. And, and frankly, it wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> this is the team for which absolutely nothing is a surprise, good and bad. But one of the things that I, I want to ask, I'm going to resurrect an old question and a favorite, is instead of predicting kind of how, how you think the entire game will go, let's, let's talk just about you know, the, first, the first five to ten minutes. What are you going to see in the first five to ten minutes of Nashville that's going to worry you? What I'm hoping for, and, yeah, I was gonna, and, and we're going to do, we're gonna do both, right? We're, we're, I'm going to ask you both. So if you'd prefer to start with the optimistic take, please do. Um, I, I, I want to go back to the to the playoff win a couple of years back, where where Dallas physically dominated uh, in Nashville. Um, that is the way I think they need to play this team, and. Defensively, they've added a little bit of size, but not a whole lot of skill in bringing in that size. So uh, I, I think Nashville is very susceptible to an extremely large, heavy forecheck. And I think that's what Dallas is going to come out doing. It's a playoff game and it's going to be playoff hockey. And Dallas knows how to be heavy in playoff hockey. They do, and, and they should be healthy, too. So you have to think that, you know, heading into this game, especially with its importance, right? Anybody that can go will. Um, I like that. I think you're right. There's there's going to be a heaviness for me personally. What I'm going to be looking for is Dallas needs to walk that line. All too often this season, they've they've gone down early and and kind of put themselves in a chasing situation. And this team just isn't built for that, right? They're they've they've done it a couple of times, and it's it's laudable when they do. But this is this is not a team that is at its best when it's playing from behind. And so, you know, I think on the one hand, I'm going to be worried for obvious reasons but for non-obvious if they come out and and give something up silly right they, if they get down early that's going to be a problem and then but the same time right the second half of that is dallas is also in in my opinion not a great team when they turtle right all to, there have been too many times when when things have been going well and they've, they've kind of decided to end the game and they haven't been able to quite do that right so i i think 
and especially against Nashville, that's a, it's a persistent team. It's a team that's ahead. You know, the reality is Dallas needs to win. Nashville really kind of doesn't. Um, they can still get some help. So I, I think simultaneously, I'll be concerned if Dallas is is you know unfocused and sloppy early. But I'll, I'll also be concerned if Dallas comes out with that that mentality of we're just going to kill forty minutes of game time and try and win it in the third. Because I think that way, that that attitude. I don't I don't know that this team, you know, that attitude worked during the playoffs for the most part because Dallas's elite scoring talent was largely functional. I don't know that they have the bodies to pull that off this season, so I'm going to be very concerned if it seems like their approach to the game is, eh, we'll probably get one and that'll be enough, right? That's that's just not something I'm comfortable with with this squad right now. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it's uh, If you can't get up for this one, uh, you're not going to get up for any of them. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a game, and and if nothing else, and and it's it's gonna be, I've, I've already got the, the nerves going. It definitely would have been nice to to come out of this stretch two for three instead of of of, of one for three, but it's it's what happened. It's they're going to have to deal with it, and, and we're gonna we're going to see, right? So thank you very much, Mark, for joining in. KT as always working the the what, what ones and zeros and making this thing magic. And uh, we're just uh, hopefully the next time we talk, it'll be on the backside of a, a statement win. But, you know, time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> <laughs>